0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency program if you are interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space then apply now at dfyagencyprogram.com scale that's dfyagencyprogram.com slash scale there will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below now let's dive into today's episode
1: episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. Uh, I'm super excited to have on the episode today, Arison Cortez. Arison is the founder and CEO of Don Media. They are a full-scale digital marketing and media agency based in Toronto, Canada, that specializes in helping e-commerce stores and online brands market themselves to their target audience while effectively and profitably scaling their business by 2-3x in half the industry standard time. Showcasing very impressive growth, Don Media has done over four million in revenue this year, and Ariston just so happens to be a member of our Done for You agency program, and I just had to have him on the show today. So thank you, Ariston, so much for joining us today. No, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on it. Thank you so much. Super excited. Let's just dive right in. So, uh, so- when did you start Don Media?
2: Uh, so I started Dawn Media when I was 17 years old. So this was around February of 2018, um, and that's usually when I first got into not not got into, but um, sort of transitioned fully into the entrepreneurship realm. And I, you know, I literally got um, started being serious at it. Um, I've always dabbled into entrepreneurship, but I've never gone, you know, full force at it. And so 2018 was uh, really was really just a turning point. For me, in terms of entrepreneurship and you know, starting a business that I knew I would be, you know, devoted. I would devote my time into one hundred percent. So that's when that was my turning point into entrepreneurship.
1: In, in February twenty eighteen. Yeah. Nice. So that's about we're coming up on four years now. Uh, yeah. in, in this in this business. And so you say you hadn't started another business before. So this is the your very first business.
2: Um, no, so I started a few. So before getting into the agency space, um, e-commerce was my my go-to. Um, before e-commerce had even, you know, been hyped up the way it is right now, before drop shipping had ever been, I guess you could say congested um, yes. as a space, that yeah. was when I had my first business. So um, that was pretty much when I got into uh, e-commerce and marketing uh, was through drop shipping. Okay, and when was that? This was around um no, that was a really it's a really good question uh this was around 2017 so a year prior was uh i would say is was when um i did a lot of e-commerce a lot of drop shipping so 2017.
1: and were you before the e before like the drop shipping what were you doing
2: so before drop shipping um uh, well, i was still in school so running like trying to run all these all these other businesses i was still in high school um i was juggling maybe four jobs a year not. it doesn't seem like as crazy i swear to god it doesn't um when i tell people the story they're like oh my god like you know that's a really impressive story um no it's not i was juggling four jobs a year because i couldn't hold down one um i hated (laughs) i hated (laughs) hated, yeah i hated you know having a job i hated i hated doing a regular nine to five um and so it was very hard for me to stick to one thing that i actually like in terms of work right um, and yeah. so I think that was really what immersed me into getting to this space of entrepreneurship was just that because, yes, because of, you know, you see all these results and all the money and all the luxury that you see on social media. Um, but my priority then was just, you know, apart from the money itself, my priority was that I, I know I couldn't hold down a job long term anyways, right? So before, before any of this, yeah, I was, I was, you know, juggling between like four jobs in a year. Um, Jesus Christ! It was like it, it was so <laughs> hectic. And uh, high school, it wasn't too bad actually. I, I would say it wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. I um, I am not ashamed to say like I uh, almost lost, or just qu- I actually ended up quitting a few jobs just before they would fire me because really? I was just oh my god, save me! I was just not a good employee <laughs> uh, at all. Um, yeah. I tried, I tried serving tables terrible I was terrible at waiting, at waiting tables I can never remember their order I would come back with like wrong oh, yeah. stuff one time that's I, so lady, funny. I one time I filled this lady's wine glass or I served a lady a wine glass that turned out to be just full of colored water and I didn't know that that was oh that God. was what the bartender had said on the side <laughs> so that he knew how high and low to pour it uh, yeah. so that he wasn't over pouring or under and I took his dummy wine glass and I served it to some to one of my tables like that was that bad um, uh, that was kind of like the sign of like oh man this is like not meant for me one of the very many signs <laughs> that that entrepreneurship was definitely where I was uh I was meant to be you was that, that your last were... job and before you started like um, doing your agency no, or what was your last no. job I'm very curious my last, job, my last job was Energia which was uh a failed energy shock company That was a startup based here in Fort Lauderdale and I worked for them doing their social media management. That was the job that I, I asked them to, um, I asked them to hire. So be viral instead of paying Tyler Narducci, uh, full time. And I, I offered them half of my salary in a retainer form. Wasn't good enough. They, uh, they needed my butt in a seat and, uh, could not fathom a work from home scenario. Obviously, this was before COVID. Uh, yeah. So I I walked out. I left, and I I, I built Sylvie Viral. I mean, it panned out pretty well. So. Yeah, it, it panned out definitely very well. But 100%. when you know, there's those universal moments where you're just kind of you just know in your gut what to do, and that was that was a big one for me. Um, I think it's worth noting. You mentioned. Prior to starting in, in 2018, prior to that, when you were uh, dabbling in drop shipping, that yeah. you were um, juggling multiple jobs while you were in high school. How yeah. old are you now, Erison I am 20,
2: turning 21 this coming February.
1: Guys, for those of you listening that didn't uh, know that bombshell before, now he's 20 years old with a four million dollar company this year so far, <laughs> uh, which is just out of this world um absolutely incredible um so where are you at now uh monthly recurring uh with your agency
2: yeah so now we are pulling just over 310 or between 310 and 315 thousand dollars a month in recurring monthly that's recurring
1: incredible and and what have you done so
2: far this year this year has been a whirlwind, and it's been a roller coaster ride. Um, just because this year has involved a lot of growth within my agency, I think this year was literally, you know, transitioning from just being any other marketer out there that can pull off, you know, seven figures in a year to pretty much focusing on building an impact within my agency. Um, and that—that's literally what I've started to do. So, you know, doing a full rebrand on my on my prior agency turning it into Don Media, partnering up with other seven-figure agency owners um, just so I can make sure that it's not just the revenue that's there. Um, I think a lot of people do. It's something that, you know, every agency owner, any business owner strives for is hitting that first seven-figure mark. Um, But I always tell people that when you strive for it, you're guaranteed to get it anyways. Everybody can make seven figures. But rarely anybody can make you know an, an impact within within their agency and within the people in their in their um in their industry, right? So that's really what this focus has been. That's what non-media has been is just optimizing everything that I've built from my prior agency, making sure that you know from the sales calls to the onboarding to the whole journey um, of client satisfaction that you know um, we, we're making an impact at it. Uh, I think that's really the most important thing that. Um, I, I've done I've done this year is turning it from any other agency to something that people can look and say you know what these guys are industry leaders they're someone that you should be looking out for um, in this whole space.
1: Nice yeah I think that's really important to to note I think dissecting that the word impact a little bit it, it's probably more about like decreasing churn and burn Increasing yeah. results of your clients and hundred percent and really focused on client satisfaction. Yeah, hundred percent. And that is
2: at the very start, you you think that that's what you're doing, but in reality, what you're really doing is focusing on growing your revenue, which is totally fine. It's totally natural. Yeah, um, I am. Um, everybody at the very start in their agency is is going to be you know not guilty of that, but is going to experience that anyways, right? Where you're just so focused on your growth um that you know once you sign a client once you onboard them all you care about is the invoice be- being paid for um, yeah that's really the case and if, if that's
1: times. and if, if and when that is the case your clients feel that
2: yeah 100 percent, man um yeah. and so um that that's really what, what what's opened my eyes to it is that you know like i said every anybody can like i i totally um get it to a new agency owner, you know, $4 million in, in revenue in a year is a big deal, right? I totally understand. It's still insane to me. I don't even think I can say that out loud and, and believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, within that $4 million, it's making sure that, you know, all my clients are, they, they may, I make sure, or I try to make sure at the very least that all my clients feel as though that, you know, we are part of their journey, that it isn't just going to end after that invoice and contract has been signed and paid. That isn't the case, and I want to, you know, relay that back to everybody—not just to my clients, but to every single person in my industry. That, you know, it's—I don't want to be labeled just as another entrepreneur, just as another marketer in this agency space, um, where everybody is starting to to get in get into this space now. Um, I want to make sure that for whoever is, and call it over ambitious, anyways. I want to make sure that for anybody who gets into this space and whoever is already in this space, that you look. At Don Media, and you look at Ericson Cortez. That you say that guy is an industry leader in the space, and you know that's something that we who we should be looking out for
1: in this year and for the years to come. As long as they're there, like they're they're leading this. That's fantastic. I think you're well on your way to that place. I think you know to move into a place of of industry leadership. It's probably um, a. I think it's about results. So what you're already yeah. and you already have you know fantastic results, and you're already you know, generating fantastic revenue. It's just then making that transition from, you know, your own little bubble with inside your agency to adding a personal brand onto it, or adding even just a brand of your agency and, and being willing to push that brand out there into Facebook groups, you know, into, you know, podcast content, like you're doing right now into, you know, just a lot, a lot more uh, online content. And then adding that element to a really successful agency already, is kind of, that's, I think, what's going to probably push you to you know, industry leader. And I, from, from my vantage point, you're already well on your way.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you so much. those are really, really kind words, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: So you have how many clients right now?
2: So currently we're doing 21. Um, we just onboarded two of them this week. So we should be on 23 by the end of this
1: year. That, nice. That's, that's yeah. insane. So with 21 clients... Uh, how often you communicate with them and what tips do you have for our listeners on you know keeping your clients happy
2: um that's a really good question um so i'm a bit weird when it comes i'm not weird i'm a bit unorthodox when it comes to um client communication um apart from it that that, that's i think the very thing that it's going to differentiate me from a lot of people um in the agency is because i tend to communicate with my clients every single day or at least i try to every single day or you know at the very like once or twice a week per client is cool with me. Um, 21 isn't really like such a big number. I can, you know, manage to spend maybe like five minutes a day communicating with them. Um, And I'm very hands-on in terms of um, client fulfillment and projects being done. I'm very much hands-on. I'm not a micromanager. Uh, I just, you know, want to make sure that every single client who especially I bring on and I, you know, get on discovery call or a sales call with, that um, they do see that it's not just getting pushed over to somebody else. They do see that I actually do genuinely care because I do. Yeah. I care that they get the results. I care that you know they feel as though I am part of that whole process with them. I'm part of that whole journey, um, and it's it's a it's a good thing to to have um, in terms of communication. I mean, a lot of people I know. No shade to them, anyways. Um, By a lot of people that I know in the agency space, you know, they get maybe around five to 10 clients, and then they sort of outsource that to a project manager right away, Um, even though they were the ones who signed with that client, right? They were the ones who sent the invoice, who sent the contract, who were on the call with them, um, and they tend to just, you know, outsource it right away. Um, That's a big, that's a big red flag for me, just because, like I said, I want to make sure that. They know I genuinely do care about, you know, their whole journey, not just from, you know, getting them onboarded, um, because anybody can do that. I want to make sure that I'm there giving, I'm the one giving them, you know, by the way, this is how your campaigns are doing. Is there anything else that you want us to include or take away from that? Is there anything else that you feel as though we should optimize or say um, about your campaign? So stuff like that, it's, I know people will be like, oh, you know, that's, that's pretty tedious when I can get somebody else to do it. And you're right you're absolutely right. It is very tedious and you can definitely outsource it. It's just not the same experience. Um, and that's why some people's train rates are really, really going by so fast. Um, because they're not involved in it. Uh, I I like to be, I like to be involved in my stuff.
1: That's awesome. And it sounds like that's really working for you right now. My, my thought would be because I only see more growth in your future. Right. So you're at 21 clients now and, you know, growing quickly. So my thought is, at what point does your current model of being, wanting to be so involved uh, become strained at that point because you are only one person? Um, you know I I encountered that myself while growing my agency was like you know I used to do all of my onboarding calls Um, but as you know as our client list grew and and now we're you know well over 100 active clients I'm not doing 100 uh, onboarding calls uh, and and continually being involved I literally just physically can't uh, with my schedule so um, you know I found that um, instead of just necessarily like you know, outsourcing, like, because that word sounds really negative. Like, oh, I'm just outsourcing to someone else. Yeah, but I understand. Like, yeah. Bringing in like a a core team member like my Jane, right? Like everyone's yeah. familiar with Jane Um, yeah, and having Jane be like that, you know, that onboarding face and they yeah. build that relationship with Jane, right? And, and so be viral. Um, And they also get FaceTime with me uh, <laughs> once a week as well. And I'm also in yeah. the Slack channels. So I, I wonder if like, your plan is to continue to, to do it until you can and then stop your growth right there or shift it to a place where you can still like be, I guess in some a similar situation as me, where you're still showing FaceTime, but you've now, you know, built it, brought in someone to form that same relationship that you're explaining that your clients have with you, but with, um, you know, a, a you know, a project manager or, uh, yeah. you know, mine in like my program manager's team.
2: Yeah um it's a great point uh so it's not like they like I don't have a project manager and account manager with them they did they do get put onto one um yeah. it's just that I I refuse to let myself you know not be involved in in any of the of the client journey um which is why the, 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 it's completely fine like the, the project managers they, they do great work and I'm so grateful I have them on my teams to help me out with that because you are right you know I do you eventually anyways in the longer I will get burnt out um yeah. trying to do all of that at uh, uh, once trying to communicate with clients daily um and trying to be just super involved into it so it's a great point to put out um but at this point anyways like tw- 21 clients is yeah uh, I mean I sound like such a douchebag saying it but twenty-one <laughs> clients is, is practically nothing yet right yeah um, you can in your case you probably have like you know like cl- close to 100 maybe even touching that point already um, yeah. I'm not at that point yet. I can devote my time to five minutes for 21 clients, you know, a w- once a week at the very least. Um, oh, yeah, no, for sure. And
1: I dedicate the same, if not, you know, more. Like, I'm constantly, I'm in my, my Slack channels every single day. And when, yeah. you know, Sobe Viral team is off because it's holidays, it's weekends and everything, it's Tyler uh, in the Slack channels. It's Tyler on emails. It's Tyler doing exactly. all that stuff. So there's a ton of FaceTime that's still to be had. It's just... Um, I guess that like extra that extra <laughs> level of like um, you know the one on one Zoom calls the project updates yeah. the the onboarding and everything um, that is now done with you know team members that I won't I don't consider outsourced like those are so be yeah. viral you know what yeah. I mean like those are yeah. that is literally the face of so be viral in many cases Jane is more of the face of so be viral to some of my clients than than me and I'm absolutely fine with that because they she's like a, a core foundation of, of the team. Right. And like, oh, yeah. you build that trust and everything. And so it's yeah. like, um, it's all, it's all part of the growth, but I, the same, in the same token, I was, you know, exactly where you were at, at 21 clients and still very much uh, FaceTime and everything um, with, I'm curious, or do you think it's going to be difficult for you to let go of some type of things? Um, Cause for me, there was certain things that I had a hard time letting go of. And in fact, I just now like, I've had to be viral since 2015 uh, and I just wow. like, a few months ago let go of running my own Facebook ads uh, for the agency like okay. and it's been it's been phenomenal like the team that I brought in to do it is really? amazing yeah but all the way until now I've still ran them until you know once iOS 15 happened I was like oh all right and I brought in, I brought in oh, yeah. they're doing much better than me but like I had a very hard time you know, even just paying that, that small fee to, to bring in an expert for that because I just felt my, I don't know, my ego was still in control of those ads, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, do you think that you may encounter something similar? Or are you someone that is very easy to delegate those types of things in your agency?
2: Um, well, I, I think everybody sort of knows what is going to be the hardest thing for me to let like, go of. And it's what is that? it's going to be sales. Uh, ah yes, it's it's gonna be. Um, I I used to do a lot of my things. Like I think I was stuck in the same position as you. Obviously, I wasn't doing like crazy work on Facebook ads, um, like you were. But I before I started, I started out as a copywriting agency, and then I slowly added Facebook ads into it. Um, and I was learning how to how to do both, just because I didn't even know that you you know you were that you could white label and outsource these these um services from other people, um. But in, in the in the long run, anyways, I figured, you know, w- when I figured out what white labeling was, I it was very easy for me to let go just because it wasn't worth the time and the strain that was put into these projects through, you know, countless, cl- not countless clients, but through all these clients who were, you know, asking for uh, very, very different, you know, projects um, consistently. And it just wasn't worth the strain on, on one person. So that's when I started to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, in short, I think sales would be the very thing that I will I will live <laughs> in. that, literally, that, literally, that I, poor I, closer I, that you bring on in the future. <laughs> old, I would be 70 years old and I would still would I would still want to be, I would force myself to
1: be involved in my sales calls. I think that's that's the beauty of our our business model though, is that you don't have to let go of anything if you don't want to you can still make that a core part of the way you are involved right yeah like the only reason so I was ended up being forced to let go of my Facebook ads really uh yeah like I would not have done it but but literally I mean a lot of people know this I don't know if I talked about this on the the podcast but um in uh October my business manager account was hacked like straight up hacked one of the other admins on my business manager was hacked and the first thing that they did was they removed me as admin uh, and demoted me to an employee of my age of my business manager in some like sick sadistic way so that I could just watch the destruction that they that they did at that point at that point I mean you have over 100 client accounts and the hacker has access to all those client accounts they have access to my account Uh, and I, I mean, I contacted Facebook immediately and they were working with me, but they took so long to fix it, uh, that my own ads were down for like a month. So my closers were all like just banking on my word that we're coming back and you're going to be fine. Right. But like I had, I risked almost losing, you know, my closers, my clients, like it was just a complete nightmare. And so I knew that once the ads got back on, like. I needed to just hand them over to someone that was gonna be able to take them and ramp them up stronger than they've ever been uh, yeah. because my my closers had been a month without you know any calls right, any, so any calls I, coming in. So I had to I had to like kind of try to make up for that. And so I was forced to just hand that over and and give that to someone that was great. and lo and behold, like they they're doing fantastic and it's it's turned out so great. but like had that, you know the happy yeah. never happened. You know, yeah. I would have never been really forced to do that. And I probably would still be holding on to them today, which would be.
2: That's a pretty like, in your case, anyway, thankfully, anyways, like you got it back. You have like an amazing yeah. team in it. But in your case, it's a very, very intense, you know, way of like forcing you to let something go. Because I mean, hearing from, hearing from your stories anyways, and from past conversations that we've had, um you you know you when you were doing your own Facebook ads I mean you were probably doing you were probably doing like really good work at it so I I think um that's a very hard thing to to let go when you see that you know what I'm even though like it is it, it can get straining at times when you're doing when you see yourself you know pulling in really really good results for people um it's also the trust factor that's there of like how much would I trust somebody to to, you know, um, do this for me when I know I can probably do it. It's an ego thing. I get it when, when you, yeah. when you're going to tell yourself like, anyways, that, you know, I can probably do it way better than this person. Anyways, at times it usually never is the case um, at yeah. times. It is
0: My, um, in at your the case, time, it's,
1: it's a pretty intense force. Um, to, yeah, to it was a very of. intense force. And it was like, it was probably the, like the most difficult thing I've ever been through as a business, uh, period, imagine. It just like happened out of nowhere, thankfully. Yeah. You know, we got everything back. It's completely secured, and and there wasn't too much damage um, done. But uh, it was, you know, not a fun month, and yeah. you know we had a lot of ground to make up. And so, at that time, like one of my mentors, um, someone that I I very much look up to in the space, uh, he told me, you know, that he worked with. Uh, these this ad team and they were super legit and they were and I and I figured you know if you're good enough to work with him then I'll I'll definitely take the leap and so yeah. I, I brought them in they were been absolutely fantastic since day one so uh, you know I'm glad that it, the the universe kind of works like that they give you, yeah, you no know, really big obstacles but those obstacles uh, are always opportunities in disguise.
2: A hundred percent agree. And I mean, like I said, I mean, thank, you know, thankfully that you got it back and your agency since then has like grown exponentially.
1: Yeah. Um, it's stronger amazing. and better than ever. It's exactly. It's, everything is always disguised as, you know, you know, uh, chaos, but in, in the end it's, it's pushing you toward exactly where you need to be. Um, and 100%. I've been that time and time again. So what's something in your agency Um well, you know, yeah. what's something that you experienced uh, along the path of growing your agency um, that you really didn't expect? How hard the work actually is.
2: <laughs> um, no, it's, it's such an under, understatement. Um, people always say, yeah, hard work is going to get you there. You know, I'm, I just need to work hard, put in the time, put in the effort, and, and I will be there. Um, and it's absolutely right. The only thing is you don't realize how hard you have to work until you're put in that position right? Um, A lot of people don't realize how hard it takes to just get one client. A lot of people don't realize how hard you actually have to work to even get that first client. Um, So that's definitely what um, I I didn't even realize before is like how much work actually goes into making it successful. Um, And take it however you, you, you know, you, you take success um, but even, you know, just in terms of getting that one client for your agency when you're just starting out, it's, it's hell. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. It definitely doesn't happen. You, I can't give you like a, a time frame of when it's going to happen. Um, all I, all I can yeah. give you is a building block and saying, you know, keep your lead generations up and, you know, eventually some, somebody's going to land your pipeline. Um, yeah. but until that point, it's, it's really just a matter of um saying to yourself you know what I didn't get it this day but um you know I'll try again tomorrow um yeah so it's,
1: it's a I've, very seen, hard I've seen like a dramatic things. a dramatically different you know outcomes with new agency owners like the one thing I really do love about my job is like I can see um so many agency owners in that like incubation period where they're, yeah. where they're getting on their feet and like I've seen um some people that are you know they're 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 hitting their legion and they're working on like a mindset issue uh, and that mindset issue is holding them back for months uh, because they just don't believe that it's gonna happen for them. And then that comes across in their sales calls and that comes across uh, in their outreach methods uh, and they'll just take breaks from it and come back to it or whatever. And I've seen others that like... Uh, we had, we had one member who created a Facebook group and created a LinkedIn group uh, and closed the first two leads that come from both of those channels within yeah. a week, like, That's just, amazing. and there, and, and, and she's so ecstatic and everything. And it's so awesome to watch that. Um, we had another member who launched his Facebook ads. Uh, and the, it, the Facebook ads he ran for him, uh, in the DFY program, and he closes very first lead that came through book through his funnel, like number one, uh, which was just fantastic too. But then That's you have that others person. that have, you know, taken several calls and they're working on a sales, uh, thing, they're working <clears throat> on a mindset thing, or they're working on their script. They're working on so many different things. So where your own specific bottleneck is going to be, uh, yeah. is something that you really have to find out in your journey. Uh, and then find yeah. out the time. <clears throat>
2: yeah. Um, no, you're, you're like you've got it like right on the button. And that's something that people I think undermine a lot. And also another thing that people undermine a lot. And you, you know, I'm sure everybody has heard this phrase of you know, people telling you just stay consistent, right? Everybody has heard that. And but you know, a lot of people they think they're being consistent, but they're doing the exact opposite at the very start. Um and that's gonna be a really I'll go into it a bit more too, if you don't mind. But that's gonna be because I say that
1: all the time. So please add some extra clarity because I one of my biggest pet peeves ever is people that give up too quickly. Like and I think it's it's not giving up
2: too quickly though. I think people I think people um, misinterpret staying consistent, like being consistent and being intense about things. Uh, at the very start, we we you know we do all these little things, we do all the little mundane, boring things that that we know are gonna get us to that point of success, right? We know that. And we do it for maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe two months, and we do that. And when results don't start pouring in at that said time, we get a little bit discouraged. And so what happens when we stay, when we, when we are staying consistent in that path is now we tend to, you know, dump consistency and replace it with intensity, right? The reason why intensity is such a bad thing is, you know, when we're doing all these little tiny things that we know are gonna get us to that point, um, we tend to either double it up or we t- we tend to add more and more to it just because we think if we add more to it um, we're going to get the results qu- much quicker. Um, mm-hmm. but I, do you mind if I asked you a question? Yeah. Do you go to the gym? Uh, about four times a week. When you go to the gym how how long do you work out for?
1: Uh, typically an hour.
2: And, but in that hour, typically when you go home, you look in the mirror, do you see
1: anything right away? That day? I mean, you get a little gym pump, right? Depending on what you're working out, but that gym pump goes away so fast. Uh, and so and what really happens then, now. like if
2: you're trying to get like, like six pack abs and like, you know, you have like a program that you follow and trying to get abs for it. Right. Mm-hmm. An hour a day is going to get you there. But if you can, if you're, you know, let's just say two weeks down the line, you still see no results you're not going to go to the gym for nine hours straight expecting to get those results faster yeah so right. that's what i'm saying when people don't see results right away when it comes to consistency mm-hmm. we replace it with intensity right and what intensity what intensity does it, it brings us to a state of uh, of our breaking point and it brings us to a state of meltdown um just because we're, we are going to get um tired right away right yeah that's why, you know, when people, like, people say, yeah, I'm, I'm staying consistent on my stuff. I'm even doing more than what I should be doing, when in reality, all you had to be doing was sticking to the same things, maybe adding you know, a thing or two to it, right? But staying consistent in it, people think they're staying consistent. Um, and so I think that's the, real, that's, that's the real focus when it comes to measuring success is that it has to be measured in consistency instead of intensity. You don't you don't get fit by going to the gym for nine hours in one day, expecting results right away, right? You yeah. get fit by going to the gym for an hour every day for an hour, yeah, right? You don't do you I'm don't better. you know because you are gonna get burnt out. So intensity brings on bur- burnouts. Consistency consistency is what is what's gonna give you momentum, right? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people
1: probably that. skip over skip over the the intensity thought and don't really. Give much uh, thought to that. So that's a really, really good point. Is that if you're just trying to, if you're just drowning yourself for a week in intense work, and still not getting there, at the end of the day, it was still just one week of work. Uh, Exactly. It doesn't matter how long you put
2: into it. It's what's gonna burn you out. It's what stops you from, you know, um, from from actually reaching your goal at 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 a pace where you were already going. Um, We can go look at the workout uh, analogy again. If I'm giving you a workout and you had to say you had to go to the gym five hours for it, and that five hours is, you know, instead of you being able to do one hour every day of the week, if I give you all that in five hours, you're not going to want to go to the gym again tomorrow. Why? Because you're going to be burnt out. Completely, it's the yeah. same thing when you're trying to strive for that level of, ex- of success that you want. Um, if I give you all of this work, if I give you, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. If I push you down to do a hundred different things in one sitting, you will get burnt out and you will be discouraged, and you will lose all your momentum that you had. So, um, and people think that they're staying consistent with things, and a lot of the times it's really wrong um, what, like of, you know, of what they're actually thinking. Um, so the focus needs to be on consistency, not intensity, uh, when it
1: comes to striving for success anyways. I love it, I love it. Um, let's talk about some obstacles that you have maybe had to overcome sure. on your journey to get to where you are today.
2: Uh, biggest thing as a twenty year old or as a as a nineteen year old teenager was um losing a lot of people along the way um i think i i, I it sounds so like cringy and sounds so cheesy but like it's true because i mean as a as a teenager as a kid that like, you you rely on on you know your your social circle and your friends to to get you through things um but in a realm where where no in a in a realm you know such as entrepreneurship where not a lot of people can actually comprehend. Um, you know, you start to sort of see that it's kind of something that you have to go through alone. It's and it's a huge sacrifice that you put onto yourself.
1: Um, yeah. Why did you lose so. people? Sorry? Why did you lose people?
2: Uh, they, they were like focused on different things. You know, I think, I think the biggest thing was like uh, going, going, trying to go out to parties every single day or trying to go out every single day. I would literally just say, like, I can't, or I don't want to, like, I want to stay home. I have like a ton of work to do. And I would, I would ghost people for maybe like 10 hours straight, like when I'm doing like, you know, sales calls or I'm doing stuff like that. Um, Just because I knew that that's what I had to do. Uh, And a lot of people took that as, you know, well, this guy's probably like moving different because, you know, he's not talking to us anymore or whatever. Um, But I don't think I lost people in the sense where like I, I regret it. I think, it's definitely what helped me do it. Um, if, if I didn't let go of some people uh, in my life, I would have never, ever been here. Um, I would still be stuck in who I was five years ago, right? Yeah. So um, I, I it's a sacrifice everybody has, is going to have to make. Um, I think in terms of entrepreneurship anyways, it's not something that you can, unless somebody has the same mentality as you, it's not something that you can sort of bring people on. Um, it's a very, very unattractive um, <clears throat> process that you have to go through. Uh, and it's a very daunting one. It's a very lonely process that you have to go through alone and. but that's that's the very thing that's gonna push you anyways, because as soon as you realize that you know it's you who you actually need to be able to, you know push this out to the level of success that you want to be at. Yeah, it turns out it's, a lot of times it turns out fine.
1: yeah, I feel that too, because you know, I, like when I was younger, fresh out of college back in, like, um, you know, 2013, well, 2012, I graduated college, but uh, in those first few years, like, I wanted to live, like, in the party, so I moved right <laughs> downtown uh, Miami, um, and it was, like, it was amazing living there, but I then, I wanted to have my own place, <clears throat> and I to be even in more of the party, so I got my own studio in, like, the heart of Miami Beach, and... Nice. Quickly, it sounded so cool. Like at the time, I was it really like, oh, this, is, this is so awesome. Like uh, I have this dumpy studio that's all mine and uh, I can walk to the nightclubs and I can walk to the strip and it was just so great, right? Well, yeah. um, like six months of that, I was so over it. I was like, oh my God, get me out of here as fast yeah. as possible as can. Like I had like girls like stumbling across uh, the sidewalk in front of my place, like puking in my bushes on like a Tuesday. And I'm like, (laughs) I've got to get out of here. And so I I ended up coming up to Fort Lauderdale and it was just a much better space, a much better like place for me to like grow my business and focus on that with people that are like-minded and that people that support me instead of people that are trying to drag me to the bar on a Wednesday. Um, It's a very
2: hard thing to let go of though. Um, I can imagine. I mean, dude, like you were in Miami. If I was in Miami, like I'd be broke by now. <laughs> I, would, I would I would I would want to go out every single day so I mean you for trying for getting out of that I think for me like oh, that would be a very hard task to do I don't know how you got out of Miami well I I, would, I, I would now say-
1: I've definitely struck a, a great balance now because I'm not going to lie I go out just about every weekend to some extent okay. but like I keep it to weekends like I have like a very uh, okay. like, strict rule like I don't okay. do anything really on on weekdays other than maybe a dinner or something yeah. um, and even Fridays like I don't really do anything so it's i kind of relegated to Saturday night that I'll uh, like still like yeah. dip in and go have my right. fun because if I don't do that then I'm gonna go crazy uh and I, I kind of have to just like strike that balance so I give myself like that one night a week to kind of get wild and I still um I you know I'm able to balance that and I have my friends that I can totally yeah. turn up with and then I have you know my uh I have um, some friends that are, are more serious more calm and like we can go and do dinners and stuff like that so I have like a wide a wide variety but the one thing that is weird is like I don't really have any like entrepreneur friends like in my whole big I have a whole big crew here in Fort Lauderdale and only one of them has has his own business and he's super successful and that's great but like most of my friends like they're like uh, all my online friends are really like is where I can connect about business stuff that's why I love these types of conversations that we get to have on podcasts and stuff because I can I can like that but like my actual like (laughs) in real life friends are... like your
2: circle pretty much yeah yeah for sure. how, how do you how do you find like balancing um because i mean obviously you're not in college anymore i i, I yeah. assume if you were it'd be a very hard balance
1: oh i find. just hit the big three zero, 0 just wait it's coming it's gonna come for you one day and then i'll have to have you on the podcast again ask you how you feel about it but like
2: I think, but like for me anyways like i'm, I'm very um, um I'm not anti, so I I love like socializing with people, like I'm a people person. Um, it's just like for me, I I typically now, anyways, I, I've and maturing is not the, the word for it. I just I think but beforehand, like I would always want to get, it. I was always, I would always want to go out every single day, every single night. Like there would be, like you would find me at a bar on like a like Monday evening, like when it turns six o'clock. So you're
1: trying to say like you you've done it so you went so hard that you like got it all out of your system it got
2: boring I won't yeah it did get boring like my friends invite me to parties because you know their parents are much not as lean in as mine um so they remember parties and I would just say no because I just like it's not my scene anymore I still love like you know hanging out with people it's just like I, I think I think thankfully anyways like I got all of that out of my system um but and it definitely has helped me, you know, be more prosperous in, in my, in my space, just because if I was still like that, um, if I, you can call it deprived of that when I was, you know, growing up in, in sort of, I'm still in my teenage years, but I think, but like two years ago, if I had that same mentality, like I wouldn't be here. Like I would literally, yeah. I'd stick to my one client. And then when that failed, like I would have been like, you know what, probably it, did,
1: probably, it probably didn't work out. Um, yeah
2: so I'm grateful hey, that you have there. a unique
1: you have a unique scenario like you are you are like on such a fast track all the way up to four million when you're as young as you are so it's almost like you kind of just had to turn all that off because it like trying to find that like happy balance is not um, is almost like not even possible at your level at age, of business yeah. and, and and socializing so it yeah. like it just kind of naturally happened that way um All right. What's something uh, that you learned along the way that can help others as they grow their agency?
2: Make connections. Um, In any business model, make a ton of high-level connections as much as you can, uh, because they will get you into doors that even hard work can't get you. Um, I have had you know a ton of blessings with for um, this year from a lot of people who I have connected with, you including. um, You know, I wouldn't be on this podcast. You know, talking about about my my whole journey as an entrepreneur, um, I wouldn't have that type of, call it clout, if you will. Um, I wouldn't have that type of, of, of of sort of hype around me if I didn't, I didn't meet people like you. So make high level connections, um, in in any way you can, and make sure that you nurture those relationships because in the long run, you know, those are going to be the differences between you being relatable now
1: and being relatable 10 years down the line. Yeah. hundred percent connections make it, uh, will move you so much faster through the process and help teach you things that, you know, would have potentially taken you years to, to learn. One of my biggest goals with the non-free agency program was to just, um, let people launch their agency and get it to profit and get it, uh, and get it, you know, going so much faster than it would take them to learn all those things, you know, themselves in real time. Right. Like um, helping them establish a pipeline of leads, you know, get sales closers to take their calls for them, and and have a fulfillment team ready to go immediately, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, with me, I started and I was doing the fulfillment for my uh, for my agency. I was taking my sales calls. Um, I was trying to figure out how to get leads and working local connections, and everything. But had I had like those three things, you know, out like laid out for me, I would have been able to grow so much faster. So um, yeah, that's kind of our goal. Um, Right now, what does your sales process look like? So I, you said earlier that you're still very involved in your sales process, one of your favorite yeah. things. So what does a typical sales process look like for Don Media?
2: Uh, two, typically two sales call process. So um, it's one the first thing starts with, with a, off with a discovery call. Uh, we get that rolling. And then afterwards, we would then book you um, to a strategy session. And that would be sort of the closing call. I guess you could say. So that's typically what it, what it would look like. A lot of times, you know, you, you do get clients who uh, closed in either one call, which is not really that impressive. Um, uh, or you would get clients that would close in like the fifth or sixth call. My, 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 Jesus Christ, like people think, you know, it comes on like so, so easy, but my longest sales call was about seven calls. I remember. But yeah. I was going to ask you about that.
1: Cause like, I think, you know, we, in the program, we talk about a two call close and it's a discovery call and then the pitch uh, pitch to close. But in reality, it can oftentimes go into a third or fourth call. Yeah. And I, I, I'm always trying to tell people like, that's normal and that's okay. Uh, yeah. And those pop-up objections and those, oh, I need to ask somebody yeah. else to yeah. bring this I had to talk to my wife's dog's cat's cousin before we, we move forward. Like oh, that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so I was going to ask you like, how many, how often do you see that happen? Like two call close sounds amazing, but, but in reality, like. How many- on
2: average, like I'd say, I'd say they close on like the third one. Not usually not the, not the second one. I'd say the third one that we have to push for um, a follow-up call just because there's always something that pops up Um, and it's, it's sort of just something that you kind of just say, okay, great. Um, what's, what's the best day I'll book you on my calendar right now um, so it's just one of those things where you kind of just have to go over um, as smoothly as possible because there's no point in you prolonging it anyways yeah, um, yeah. but that's the reality of it Like, yeah the two call close sounds great the one call close sounds great um, it's just not realistic I tell people that all the time you will have some clients who will do that and those are going to be really really great ones um, yeah. but the ones they are going to be ones that you have to work and especially at the very start there are going to be ones that you have to work Exponentially harder for it
1: to yeah. get, right? So, hundred percent. I I find that those like one call closes are generally like some people like want to they want to pat themselves on the back those one call closes, but like yeah. the the reality of it is, if you close in one call, they pretty much came to the call closed. Like exactly. they they had already like pre sold themselves on your offer, or knew yeah. they wanted to move forward, and like it's rare that you can take someone from not really knowing anything about your offer to full on paying you a high ticket price in one call and yeah. do the education and offer all like, it's, it's so rare. So typically like they were already in a mind frame of, of wanting to close, which is fine and it's awesome. And it's great, yeah. but don't bank on it. Uh, and yeah. uh, you know, understand. That they're they-
2: typically not the best clients. Anyways, I'm going to tell you right now in my experience, they're typically not just because they're, because there's no relationship that's being built like right off the bat, um, you build rapport and that's pretty much the relationship that's that's saying it's great yeah. sign them go for it. Um, but in the long run anyways there you they're, they are because they have already sort of pre sold themselves in the first call typically they don't want anything to do with you, uh, you know, explaining, by the way, you have to do this, you have to do that, um, and so um they not rushing become, the process
1: kind of yeah smooth. they don't become
2: super involved too so they become with a client who's just like there in your pipeline and not you can't really it's it's very hard to nurture that type of relationship because there's no relationship yeah. being built
1: that's really interesting i actually now that you say that i kind of want to go back and and look at like our past one called closes and and just reflect and see like how they you should i'm telling client. you they i'm really they interested in really that that's cool. They're really
2: unattractive um it's it's people think oh my gosh, like he's such like a good sales closer. Like he's closing one, call. I mean, that's not the case. Like they've, they've practically told me they just want to move on and do that. Yeah. I'd have to do any of the sales. That is um, so interesting. Like, I, Cause I, my
1: closers are, are the ones who take our, our calls and, and yeah. I like, you know, I've never really gone and looked at like, okay, who is one call close and see, you know, how do they turn out as clients? But now I'm like, now I gotta do that. I'm really interested. You should, you the, should. I'm really
2: curious to, to, see, to see what your clients look like for.
1: For sure. Um all right, uh, only only two more for you. The, uh, second last one is what do you think of many agencies do wrong in their sales process because obviously you're doing a lot of things right you're closing a ton of deals, very very high ticket deals um, okay. so what do you think um, what do you think a lot of other agencies or, or closers are doing wrong on calls? Um,
2: in the discovery call they they tend to rush the whole process into... You know just literally like what they think is a building report is just saying hi um, <laughs> how's, <skip>. the <laughs> yeah, how's the weather? when they people get like cookie cutter like sales copy um yeah. and they they think you know that I, th- I think that's what people misunderstand about having like a script it's not a script it's a structure like it's literally yeah. just meant to give you an example of what you should be able to say um, yeah. I think that's, that's one. Uh, but yeah, I think people, like the most important thing in, in sales is, is building rapport. If you can't build rapport, you've already lost that sale. Um, building rapport is the start of you building a relationship um, with that prospect throughout your whole sales journey. So if that's not there, then you know, there's no point in you continuing the call. Uh, but a lot of people, they tend to undermine that. And they think, you know, uh, I'll just say, hi, ask how the weather is and it'll all be cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they just tend to, to rush it. And I I've heard a lot of people sales call especially at the very beginning. Um, and to no discredit to them, but it just sounds horrible.
1: Yeah, I you know, I would definitely agree with you uh on that first part that you said too, is that people often rush the discovery <laughs> process. Um yeah. and the discovery process and getting to the pain points and 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 goals of the client is by far the most important part of the sales process, like yeah. the pitch is almost the same. Like the, the pitch is, is, you know, you're stacking up and value yeah. and letting them know like that part stays the same across almost all sales calls. It's the discovery process that's unique for every call and getting to know that specific person and their specific pain points, their specific goals. Right. And relating to them and sounding human and, and, and truly conveying uh, that you genuinely care about the client's. Yes. Uh, which is one of you know Don Media's most important things that you talked about earlier is is actually connecting having exactly. that impact. And if you yeah. if you come across as a slime ball and you're trying to just close a deal, people are not dumb. Like they hear it in your voice, they yeah. hear it in the way that you're speaking, they hear it in you know the sentences and words that you're choosing to use on the call. And uh, it, it will stop your sales process. So, you know, my, in my opinion, the biggest thing is, is yes, totally what you said. Don't, you know, uh, don't skip over or cut short the discovery process, but, but also truly convey that you're really trying to help this client. It's not about the money, yeah. it's not about closing the deal. It's about helping them get to their goal that you're going to yeah. uncover in the discovery process.
2: Yeah. I know hundred percent. you got it right. Um, And I think that's, that's something that a lot of people just, you know, tend to overlook is the fact that um, we go straight to the contracts. We go straight to the invoices. We go straight to the numbers game right away. Um, Every, every person is going to have that.
1: hundred percent. And that's why when people are like, you know, I I really want to just one call close. Like I'm really good at one call closes and everything. I tell people don't stop because when you're trying to one call close somebody, you're showing all your cards. What you're doing immediately is you're showing that you didn't go talk to your ads team. You're showing that you didn't care to actually build any custom strategy for this client and you didn't do anything for them other than throw a price uh, out at them right like oh yeah yeah we'll, we can handle that we can do that we can do that it's gonna be five grand it's gonna be 10 grand whatever it is like you need to actually sit and think about this client and actually build them a strategy and if you're not willing to to do that or even like you know anything then you know you're probably not going to close that one call close and yeah. you're showing them your hand on that call
2: like it yeah that's it it, it never and it never made never sense that no. well no out well um so that's what i'm saying like and that, that's going to be like the differentiating factor between you and every other um closer out there uh because every closer or every every salesperson is going to have that whole second call where they pitch you their servers and they pitch you the numbers for it you're going to go through that anyways right the difference is going to be you know whether you actually care about their whole journey from the whole discovery to the whole sales process, um, that's gonna be the difference. That's why, like, I, 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 I pride myself on making sure that's my first priority in my agency. It's not about the numbers game. Yeah. yeah, the numbers are fine when you prioritize customers. The numbers will come. That's how. That's how revenue usually works, right? Hundred um, percent. If you prioritize revenue first, then that's how you lose customers. Yeah. So when people 100%. get when people get that chain right. Um, usually everything goes, goes well, like your, even your whole metrics on the back end of your business, like your churn rate, um, you won't have to go through as, as many clients as, as, as you did. Um, because if you prioritize that, so yeah, prioritizing customer satisfaction, even if you don't close that call is going to be a really big factor on whether you were going to succeed in this space, you know, five years down the line, or is it just going to be now that is, is this going to be your only year at, at finding success?
1: Totally agree. Um, all right last stop, I ask this on every podcast. So uh, what is your number one piece of advice to give to someone who's just starting their agency now?
2: Learn a high income skill and hire somebody who has done what you, what you want to do. Um, sales would be my go-to uh, to learn sales um, yeah. or copy. Sales and copywriting is, is, should be your go-to for it. Um, you don't have to be an expert at every single thing that you do Uh, but try to be, try to, you know, find an expertise, try to be an expert in, you know, one or two things that way you can sort of relay that back to the client that you do know what you're talking about. So many people go on these sales calls, um, like I said, you're not going to be doing your fulfillment anyways. Um, but so many people go on these sales calls, not knowing what to say, how to say it. And ultimately they end up losing that call. Um, so that's what I would do. I mean, learn sales, hire a mentor, eh, um, is going to be the biggest thing. Um, it's like getting a personal trainer. Uh, they keep you on track. In a, in a industry that is as lonely as entrepreneurship, um, you need somebody to keep to help you keep accountable um, for every single thing that you do. Right. So that's probably one of the biggest things I would do. But yeah, learn
1: sales. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've always I've always said like, if there's one thing that uh, you know, I want people, if if they can only take away one of the things that we teach in the done free agency program, if they just took one little thing out of it. I, I hope that it would be sales because yeah. literally you can take that skill, that high income skill, like you said, and apply it to any business, any single business that you ever want to start. It doesn't have to yeah. be, an agency. it can literally be a SaaS product. It can literally be anything that you can imagine. If you, if you know sales, you know how to sell, you have, you know, you have a huge building problem. block right there. Yeah, huge building block um so
2: yeah i I think that's gonna be the most important thing um i know like we say all the time too is like stay consistent but i guess like from this call i I hope people understand the difference between consistency and intensity Um, i'm telling you right now man you're gonna get burnt out trying to do a hundred different things in one sitting um and that's what's gonna lose your momentum at it so trying to do that um and not getting like discouraged so quickly just because you didn't land first your first client in three weeks
1: yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So stay consistent, not intense. Uh, and also learn a high income skill. Uh, and your preferred high income skill is sales. Sales, yeah. Yeah. All right, Arison. Well, thank you so much for coming on Digital Marketing no, to having builders Podcast today. It's been an amazing hour chatting with you. I knew it was going My to pleasure. be uh, so much value in here. So I can't wait to share with everybody. And of course, we'll have to have you back on the show uh, next year sometime to see how much you've
2: grown, even since then. For sure. No, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man.
0: That's going to be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team, and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfyagencyprogram.com scale. That's dfyagencyprogram.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast.